What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Legend of the Glorio Heroes, your premier podcast for the legendary 1988 OVA. It's an exciting week here for us. You know, the uh, the VGAs just aired, and I think I can speak for all of us when I say that I am just so excited to see that Yang and Reinhardt are making it into Smash Bros. Um, um God, I wish. Well, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be Shen Cop? I don't know. How does Yang and Lee fight? I, well, I don't know. I think I think Yang would kind of be like Pokemon Trainer. Okay, yeah, all right, like, okay, yeah. Like, you would switch just between... Swap, just swap between Shen Kopp, Yulian, and, like... I don't know, maybe Louis Mashengo. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, you know, you know, particularly, uh, you know, pretty excited, you know, uh, right, they, we, we got we got to see Reinhardt's final smash, where he uh, opens his magic jar full of fleets. Uh, yep. Finally bailing Bittenfield out. Um... <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> I, I digress. Uh, as always, uh, I'm your host, G, and with me is Eero. Hi. Still here. We are still pulled, here. Pulled me away from Smash Brothers to record this podcast. Somehow, yes. Somehow we uh, managed to put the controllers down for just a moment to uh, talk about the real important things in life, like Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Downfall of democracy. Yes, uh, yes. I guess we'll get to that. Well, you know, might as well. You know, as always, you could yeah. you could call this an interesting trio of episodes. Indeed. But uh, I think this week, perhaps particularly so. You know, we got yeah. we got everything this week. We got drama, action. Yeah. You know the 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 slow and inevitable downfall of democracy. Uh, uh, intergalactic renaissance men of mystery yeah. and Louis Mashengo. Face fights, explosions, Louis Mashengo. So you know yeah. what? Let's just uh, let's just roll right into yeah, it. We're covering uh, this uh, this uh, installment. We're covering episode thirty, Lost Things. Episode thirty one, Inquiry, and episode thirty two, War Without Weapons. Indeed, indeed. So we're just going to start off with episode thirty, where uh, yeah, we are introduced to uh, our Mecklinger. Yeah, our good buddy with the porn stash, Mecklinger. Yeah, you know, like they've been kind of going down the list of Reinhardt's squad and introducing yeah. each one. You know, uh, we got like a bit of Kemp in the past few episodes, and we get a bit more of him later yes. on in this trio. But for now, it's Mecklinger. Yeah, and his man. and his luxurious mustache, and we uh, we find out that Mecklinger is uh, maybe a maybe actually a pretty cool guy. Yeah, um, known as the artistic admiral. Yes, uh, visiting so, Hilda's cousin, his Hilda's sickly cousin, who's a a fan of the arts. Yes, yes, is a uh, Heinrich von Kuhnmel, and uh, we find out that he is uh, the biggest Mecklinger stan out there. This dude is a huge Mecklinger fan. He is so excited. He is so hyped that motherfucking Mecklinger is here. <laughs> Mecklinger from, from me and painting. Oh my god. It's it's very good. And yes, we get the fantastic description of Mecklinger as you know, they literally call him a Renaissance man, a poet, a painter, a, a, a master yeah, pianist. Yeah. And, and most of all, an admiral who is both excellent at oh. leading from the front and organizing the rear logistics. Uh, and he's an excellent <laughs> staff officer. But because he was common born, he couldn't make a living with the arts. 
And it's around here. And it's around here that we begin to wonder, oh, is Mecklinger just the liberal arts equivalent of Yang Wen Lee? <laughs> you know, like, like, Yang Wen Lee, who, like, if, if Yang Wen Lee went for another useless degree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a but, great uh, sequence, yeah, where they call him a Renaissance man, and they say, like, for example, Leonardo da Vinci and Cao Cao. Which I fucking love, because, you know what? I feel like to most audiences, Cao Cao from Romance of the Three Kingdoms is not maybe the first person you think of as a Renaissance man, but but once you say it, it actually fits very well. So, and uh, something I really like here is they they also mention a Lazar Carnot and a Togrel Beck, who pretty sure those aren't real people. But yeah, uh, I but that adds ahead. a lot of depth to the setting, like because how many hundreds of years have passed, like since our level of history. Oh, totally. It's, heroes, like... it's it's one of those, like, very subtle, like, w- you know, storytelling, like, tools, but I feel like it's one that a lot of media kind of make the mistake of, is, like, assuming that even in the future, the world that they will know of is the world we know now, right? That it exists yeah. in stasis, that, that everything great that can happen has already happened, whereas Legend of the Galactic Heroes does this subtle thing of saying, actually, no, you know, hundreds of years will pass, and surely... There will be other great, important individuals, you know? Yeah, influential folks. I think a good example of how this shows up a lot in media is, like... And this is particularly in sci-fi settings, is when they're like, this laser that is the equivalent of ten Hiroshima bombs or something. It's like, are we still going to be using that as a unit measurement in, like, 2500? Yeah, like, surely not, you know? I mean... You know, it, it. You know, it's. It, you think about it, right? Like even the, yes, like even the. Oh, this nuke, this warhead, this modern nuclear warhead, is the equivalent of like fifty Hiroshima bombs. It's like, that's a point of reference that is literally less than a hundred years old. Right. You know, look. Think about it for, now. You know, nobody, living memory. Still. Right. Like nobody. Nobody's going around saying, "Oh, this nuke has the power of a thousand sticks of dynamite." You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, uh, technology honestly moves pretty quickly, and 500 years from now, I'm sure they'll have their own, like, oh, this laser is the equivalent of, like, 15 Geiersbergs or something, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> or whatever, uh, but we'll, uh, yes. we'll get into Geiersberg later. <laughs> so. Well, I don't know, we can get into Geiersberg right now. Because... Actually, you know what, yes, yes. Well, before we do that, I, I do just want to point out the very... The one line where they're they're talking about, oh man, Mecklinger, you're so cool, you're such a great artist, and then fucking Mecklinger, fucking intergalactic man of mystery here, fucking busts out the line that actually I'm working on the greatest piece of art of all, <laughs> the Reinhard von Lohengrom, yeah, the living piece of art. <laughs> Everything about him is so artistic. As if we didn't already have enough, you know. Honestly, on the nose. You know, congratulatory titles for Reinhard. We now have the li- the living piece of art. But, yeah. uh, but yes, There's also hero like, as you. Like, and the, but they do also close out by saying like, oh, they feel vague uneasiness about uh, what's his name, Baron uh, uh, Heinrich, the Baron sick one. Heinrich. Yeah, they're yes. like, uh, they felt some unease, but it'll be a while until that showed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, okay, let's back to heroes. I guess I'll keep an eye on this. Sick yeah, that, that that felt like a very weird bit of foreshadowing there. Like, I feel like usually the show is pretty good about being kind of subtle with 
Like, oh, pay attention to this. This will be important later. Whereas the narrator was just like, this is going to be a big deal, but that's for another day. (laughs) Yeah, uh, the vulture has spread its wings. Uh, Geyersburg Fortress's first warp test has succeeded. Yes. Yes, it seems to be that the... uh, the Death Star is fully operational. Um, it's capable of warp, and uh, and in many ways, I I am still kind of quietly furious that this plan is going so much better like than a, it honestly should. Third plot of let's strap rockets to our supposedly stationary space fortress. Yeah. And, well, uh, I mean, it's it's just the idea of like, oh well. If we need a warp drive this big for a ship this big, well, then we just need yeah. a warp drive this big. <laughs> just it's... scale up. Well, yeah, they literally just strap like 12 rockets to the Gyersburg. Yeah, yeah, or like 12 warp rockets, whatever they are, you know. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's absurd, but somehow it works, and they're getting ready for it. Yeah. And we kind of have this good conversation where, you know, Hilda's talking with Reinhardt, and yeah, she's still kind of... to this absolutely ridiculous dispatch well i mean she totally she gets and understands that reinhardt's true enemy has never been the fpa you know it's Mm -hmm. you know reinhardt's true enemy is the golden bomb dynasty it is the legacy that has been created by golden bomb the literal centuries of institutionalized you know autocracy and and uh you know and oppression yes that is the true enemy and dismantling that dismantling you know centuries of how your society has been run is the real enemy and we kind of get this moment where reinhardt's like yeah i know that and the way we can beat that or and he's like he says something along the lines of like and the only way that like you know an umpire can be truly great is you know through warfare and you know our most obvious enemy is the fpa so they're the ones i have to fight yeah, because uh, having an enemy for the people to rally around is like the surest way to form cohesion, according to Reinhardt. Yeah, it's it's a it's well, you know, it fits for Rein, it fits for Reinhardt's philosophy. You yeah. know, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of cold. It's a little it's a little maybe too cynical for my own taste, but yeah. you know, he's not wrong in the he way also, wartime can unify people. Like, he also feels it's the like the only thing left for him, right? Like, yes, that's part of it. I mean, yes, this is, I mean, yes, this is the, this is the public answer that Reinhardt is giving, you know, even around Hilda, who, you know, we say that maybe Reinhardt, you know, yeah, let's say at this point, she's the closest person to him. Yes. Yes. But even then, no, it's still like, I'd say Reinhardt's like his shields, quote unquote, are still like, up like 50, 60%, you know, (laughs) this is still Reinhardt with the mask on. Like, yes, Maybe Hilda knows he's wearing the mask. Like, that's about as close as she's gotten. But, you know, I feel like that's only... It only seems close in comparison to literally everybody else, you know. I might as well just bring it up now. I feel like we kind of, we've, we've been hearing this line, this kind of... This line of thinking fairly often, I, I feel like, in the past few episodes, where a lot of the admirals, a lot of Reinhardt's admirals have explicitly said out loud, I don't know what Reinhardt is thinking, or I don't know Reinhardt that well. Right, you know, and I think that speaks to the air of mystique he has purposely cre- created for himself, the distance he has put between him and everyone else, and 
I think it's only in comparison to that that I believe Hilda seems relatively close. Yeah. But it, it is definitely relative. But I think, as you said, I do agree with you, Eero, that it is the answer that Reinhardt gives, but I think we all know the real answer is that because of Kirk Yaz's unfortunate <laughs> wording in uh-huh. his dying moments, <laughs> you know, please win the universe, I feel like that has only... Everyone. Right, that has only emboldened Reinhardt's belief that, oh, like, if I don't conquer the whole universe, no matter how much blood is spilled, then Kirkyaz's death will have been in vain, so clearly, I need to go fully off the deep end with this shit. Yeah, but uh, don't worry, I won't kill the Kaiser, he's only seven years old. Right, yes. I don't think I want to go down in future generations as a child murderer. About that, Reinhardt! (laughs) <laughs> too late too a little, late a little late there like unless reinhardt means that i don't want to go down in history as somebody who personally pulled the trigger on children because unfortunately you know look the definition of child killer is subjective there are varying degrees oh, and severity God. of child killing but reinhardt even under the most even under the most, even under the most forgiving definitions, you know, yeah, t- you know, ten still prepubescent. Yes, yes, like unless unless we get a scene later down the line once Reinhardt actually becomes Kaiser and he passes a law where now you know the age of consent in adulthood is ten years old uh-huh. to you know skirt by on the technicality of you know killing these you know ten year old you know well now legally defined adults. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh but uh but yes. So with that taken care of, we return back to uh the FPA where yeah. Yang has been called back to Heinison for an inquiry. Yep. Um which is strange because it's not a there's no such thing as an inquiry in like right. the bylaws. Like it's not, there it's are not a court martial. Uh, right, it's not a court martial and it's not a tribunal. It's an inquiry and in many ways, I think Yang quickly realizes that this is, in some ways, infinitely more dangerous than a court martial. Right. A court martial is public. Right. There's procedures you have to follow. You know, it's public. They have to follow the rules, at least on paper. You know, they. You know, uh, but what an inquiry? This is this ill-defined, vaguely, you know, vague co- concept with with no no defined rule set. You know, no uh, yeah, no guarantees. You know, no precedent, you know, like, as, you know, Yang kind of pessimistically states, like, at worst case scenario, an inquiry could be the equivalent of, you know, putting a bag over his head and, you know, taking him to a black site where he's never seen again. Yeah. You know, and uh, as a result, you know, you know, Shen Kopp wisely states that you need someone on the ground there with you. And, you know, Yang being... I feel like this is the part. These are these are the parts where I feel like Castle New is entirely correct about Yang, where it's like Yang, you really need to maybe yeah. pay more attention to taking care of yourself Please because don't I give think them an excuse to go after you, right, right. Because I feel like you know maybe Shenkop was a bit extreme, but I feel like Shenkop has the right idea of like you're going to need people there who have take your some, back. Yeah, take some take some you know squad with you. Yeah, like, I mean, I think what would Chen- did Chenkov say? He said, ha- ha- you know, if I had it my way, I'd send the whole battalion down there with you or something. Something like that. But uh, like, instead, Yang asks for a single nomination 
Yes, just one man. Give me one and man Shankov, to take with me. But now says, uh, it can't be Julian because, you know, he's, he's busy, uh, you know, being uh, Luke Skywalker. And, and yes, and, and, and doing Yang's Boy. dishes in his laundry. But uh, but that's when Shenkov says, oh, I don't know anyone better than than Louis Mashengo. Yeah, Master Sergeant Louis Mashengo. Yes. Who uh, and, is a quiet man, but if you make him angry, you can dispose oh. of platoons single-handedly. <laughs> it's a fantastic description for a man we don't even get to see this episode. <laughs> But uh, uh, already, already given us uh, some good expectations for our friend Lewis. But uh, but yeah, so Yang basically agrees to uh, you know, just take Lewis Mashenga with him and uh, Frederica. Yeah. And um, he and he even says that he's only going down there to cruiser. He will not be taking uh the the flagship of right. the Iserlone fleet. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, that's really convenient. <laughs> now that I think about oh, it. Oh wait a <laughs> huh. Yeah. Oh. Sh- uh, we'll get there. Ooh, you think? Oh. Sh- <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. Sorry, guys. We just we just came to the realization of something about episode thirty-two. Now that uh, we realize that Yang has left the, his most powerful ship his back at Uzalum. Yes, his flagship, the ship that everybody knows. Oh, that's, that's the Yang ship Wen, Yang. Right? That's Yang Wenli's ship. Uh, oh. Okay. Dude, you're you're pretty good, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> you're pretty good. But uh, but yes. Yeah, so Yang Yang wants to like he doesn't want to make a statement, right? He realized that you know, on some way, you know, politics is all bullshit. But politics is also like all, like, yeah. Yeah. it's all presentation. He so knows that they're like worried that he'll try to take over or whatever. Right. So. He, he knows that they're worried that they're already on edge, and they they'll they'll take any excuse they can get. So. He's taking yep. a smaller ship, you know, he's not going in there. Going in with his know. hands up. Yes, yes. And that's what we see of the FPA. We return back to the Empire because we get a little bit of Kempf. Because yeah, Kempf, yeah, as we yeah. know, has been assigned to the Geiersberg operation. He will be commanding yes. the fleet that assaults Iserlone. And uh, Kempf will be away for a few days, or maybe a few weeks, or uh, so maybe longer. Visits. It's his wonderful family, his, yes, his wife his and wife his lovely and children. children. So, and, oh, uh, dad, daddy's going far away to fight the bad guys. You know, oh, daddy, you'll bring back a souvenir, won't you? When I come back, let's visit grandma. Kev, yeah, succeeds. I'll, I'll take a vacation. Kev, don't do this to us. Don't. When I come don't. back, I'll probably get promoted, and I can send your family more money, my beautiful wife. Don't, <laughs> Kev, you Have you've I made a lot of field and not come back. Oh, Kev, don't <laughs> look. We were all worried. We were all a little, a little bit worried when we saw Castlenew's family for the first time. Yes, but like, but like also in, the camera never quite lingered on them. So right, right. In ways, I, I don't want to make big assumptions here. You know, like let's be honest, like. If you want to like kill a dude on the FPA that'll like feel impactful but won't be a huge deal, like Kazanu would probably be on the top of that list. Mm-hmm. So like I could totally see them doing that, but also I feel like at least up till now they haven't done anything too egregious with Kazanu's family to set up those death flags if that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. we know he's a family man, but that's not like it's not a th- as you say, it's not a thing the camera lingers on. Whereas with motherfucking Kemp here, hilarious, gratuitous scene. Like, 
Kemp loving his family. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like some fucking like Naked Gun Part One shit, <laughs> where like it's just like it's like that it's that scene where it's just a montage of like the character like kissing his wife, you know, saying, "Oh, don't worry, I'll sign the mortgage when I get back from this mission." And by the way, I also found out who assassinated Kennedy, but I'm keeping that in this notebook in my front pocket that I'll bring back with me after the mission. It's, <laughs> it's. Wait, am I thinking of? No, no, I think I'm thinking of Hot Shots, not not the Naked Gun. I think I was thinking of Hot Shots. Sure, probably. It's gonna say that out loud so people don't correct me. But uh, but anyways, yes, it's just Kev. Like Kev having a family in a show like this is already a death flag. Yep. But. But you just piled it on, man. Like, oh, it's so good. It's hilarious. Uh, yes, yes. It's. I mean, look, Kemp seems seems like a decent guy, but yeah, we'll we'll see how this all plays out. Yeah. Meanwhile, on um, Yes. Like, we find uh, out that um, Baron Flegel's like squad. Yeah. Shot him. <laughs> yes. And then yes. Led to go yes. become farmers. Yes, led by one Leopold Schumacher, have uh, yeah. come to Fazan to become farmers, as they literally said they would. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately for Leopold, though, he is uh, being scouted out by Fazan in the only way Fazani know how, which <laughs> yes. is blackmail and idle threats. Uh, so yeah. there's that great exchange. He's like, ah, is this how Fazan does things? <laughs> Kai just says, yep. This is how Hazan right. does things. Like, not even, like, not even try, doesn't even try to be cute about it. Like, no, that's, ex- like, yes, that's how we do, that's how we do things here at Vazan. You know, so will you play ball or not? Yeah. And, uh, so we know that now Leopold is, uh, involved in the, uh, Fizani plot in some way. Yeah, and they put him together with some, like, some count from, from the Yeah, like some Sally. count who's like a failed writer or something. I don't. Yeah. I, I didn't quite get what the dude's shtick was or why he would be useful to the. Well, we'll see. You know, as yeah. always, sure. they don't introduce that plan will bear fruit ten episodes yes. from now. Yes, and uh, finally, finally, we get a uh, Roenthal and Mittermeier just kind of reminiscing about old times, about the time they they saw you know uh, Reinhardt for the first time yes, back when Reinhardt he was just. Yes, back when he was just a Von Musel, not a Lohengrum. And uh, talking about, oh, is he a is he a tiger or a house cat? Oh, uh, he's no, a lion. The lion. Of all beasts. <laughs> so fucking... Every... I love <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here's the thing. I know that some of our listeners say that we kind of maybe bag on the Empire a little bit too much. And I will That's say so that fun to like, it's, like... it's more that we love the Empire, but we love the Empire in the way that they are the most fucking ridiculous people ever. Like, the way they talk, the way they carry about themselves is just so dramatic. It's so over the top. We love it. It's I mean, just if, also... I think it's, it's also hard to take it, seriously. Yeah. Particularly because it contrasts with the, like, relatively contemporary modern, like, uh, trappings of the FPA. Because yeah. if I was walk, if you were walking down the street and you'd see some, like, fucking Victorian fop wearing a cravat and like, you know, <laughs> dusting himself off and speaking in an extremely highfalutin way, uh, you would think that was funny too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I think it is definitely lines like these that that kind of get to that. Like, like nobody in the FPA would ever say like, "Yang's not a tiger; he's a lion, the king of the beasts." It's it's just right. so ridiculous. 
Uh, uh, but uh, yes, and then we get what will maybe be. You know, I, I almost feel I kind of wish we had started keeping account of how many times will various members of the Legend of the Galactic Heroes cast say, "If only Kirky Eyes was alive." Yes. Because uh, I feel like we're going to get those lines a lot in the future, yes. even from us. <laughs> yes. I feel yes, like we've even... already said that several times. Yeah. I mean, the episode kind of ends, yes, with literally kind of Reinhardt uh, uh, sitting in uh, the throne room, you know, blood still on the floor That's from, right. uh, from Kirky Eyes' death, and kind of just you... I kind yeah. of like this moment because... because... Doesn't let anyone in with him as he goes yes. to, like, you know, reminisce and pray in front of the spot where Kirky Eyes died. Uh, yeah, and I, and I think it's a good, it's a, it's a very good, like, I don't know about metaphor, but, I mean, it's, I mean, Reinhardt literally physically doesn't let anybody else into that room, yeah. you know? As Hilda says, he won't open his heart to anyone other than the dead. Yes, and I kind of appreciate this moment because I don't know if this is an intentional thing on, you know, uh, an intentional decision on their part, but I feel like even we, the audience, have been kind of growing distant from Reinhard. Yeah. You know, if you look at, like, how much screen time he's gotten, if you look in at, like... Two, yeah. Yeah, like, in season two versus season one, like, season one, it was it, it, it was the Reinhard and Kirky Eyes show, you know? And mm. and now in season two, without Kirky Eyes, it's like, it, I feel like, in many ways, in the same way that the rest... I wonder if it's the, if it's the show's, like, intention to try and make us feel the same way that... Uh, Reinhardt's admirals and Hilda feel, yeah. Like because we are now only because now we are only shown the version of Reinhardt that wears the mask. Even we kind of feel distance from him. We 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 no longer really know him as well as we used to. You know, mm-hmm. in many ways, I'm not sure if we will ever get another moment like season one where you know Reinhardt doesn't want to go to Lord Brunschweig's <laughs> ball because he hates uh, Lord Brunschweig. God. Yeah, that's... like. That of Reinhardt might be gone forever. <laughs> yeah, and that's in many ways. I feel like it's moments like that that actually make Reinhardt as a character work for me. Like the tragedy to his character. You know, when you think back and be like, "Oh, those moments are never coming back, are they?" Yeah, you know, we are. We are never going to get. We we are never going to get Kirky Eyes sitting there in 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 the in the limo with his freaking embroidered laptop telling Reinhardt that don't worry I'll be I'll stay in the car I'm going to take care of some work and you know we'll be waiting for you like we're never getting that kind of stuff ever again his last tether to like any claim of innocence is gone you know yeah it's uh it's well done it's well done it, it, it's 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 effective because again I feel like it, it's it would be very easy for us to to dislike Reinhardt but yeah. the show does a lot of really important stuff to still make him feel right. very tangible as a character in this story. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily but, uh, agree with what he's doing, but... Oh, of course not. No, again, fucking... No, of course not. Motherfucking <laughs> Reinhardt doesn't want to be a child killer Lohengrom. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. dog, you already are. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, but you're also still sympathetic. Character, yeah. Yes. But uh, anyway, so with that finished, we roll into episode 31, where... Yeah. Uh, we kind well, of start we off open, with the uh, open with like already some of the <laughs> well, Young's writing his like captain's log or whatever. Yes, but um, should I just read this line? Yeah, go for it. it. Fucking strikes straight to my heart. <laughs> Let's see, the nation that neglects social inequality, 
mischievously increases military budgets, and then uses its power internally to suppress the citizens on the pretext of invasion by an external enemy, is on the road to extinction. Yang... Such is the present state of our nation. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Yang just basically lays it all out there for you. Like, if you made it up to th- episode 31 and you did not understand what was going on with the FPA plot. Yang yeah. basically just lays it all out here. Like the FPA is truly on the verge of collapse. Maybe it's already too late. Maybe we can't even save it anymore, but <sighs> and he kind of has this like, you know, again, like Yang, like it's tough because I think Yang truly does believe in democracy, oh, yeah. but he has a lot of lines often that kind of, that speak to how realistic he is. Like he understands that, you know, why? why how, how come Reinhardt succeeds? Why does the, why does Reinhardt's system succeed? You know, even the even if the Lohengram system isn't by the people, it is at least nominally for now for the people. Right. He basically lays out how, the F, like the FPA trying to still be in. Like, uh, opposition to the Empire is foolish because we don't have the resources to do so. And considering the current, like, the current uh, situation, coexistence for now is the best option. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of just... It really does just get to the central argument of Legend of the Galactic Heroes of, you know... Is a corrupt democracy worth fighting for versus an enlight you know an enlightened you know uh, how do we put it? I don't even want to say monarchy. I guess it's kind of more of a dictatorship. You know, I mean, yeah. a, a benign dictatorship. Let's right, say. A, a benign and quote unquote enlightened dictatorship. Yes, mm-hmm. and the idea of like, well, which of those is preferable? Because you know, theoretically, you know, the corrupt democracy is bad, but theoretically it can be fixed because democracy is again theoretically self-repairing it can be self-corrected whereas a benign dictatorship is nice for now but what about when the benign dictator dies who follows up after him are they also benign do they also have the people's best interests at heart and if they don't how can the people change that they can't the only way you can change a dictatorship as reinhardt shows is through violent uprising. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at its core, which one is good for us in the long, you know, which, which is good for us in the short short term and the long term? And, you know, it, yeah. does the long term matter that much if people in the short term are still suffering? Yep. <laughs> Speaking of, like, oh, we're close enough to Heineson to pick up the television. First channel <laughs> is one fucking Mr. Negroponte talking about how we must continue the war we should we shouldn't cut cut military budget just because of the loss of tiny individuals yeah and uh, young so of course says that uh like line and of course young rightly you know points out that you know this is bullshit it, it, you know to those in power there is nothing cheaper than other people's lives this idea that, oh, it's very easy to talk about, oh, we could still win this war. We just need more people. People just need to sacrifice more. They just need to they just need to dig in a little deeper. You know, they just need to try a little harder, that's all. Indeed. You know, it's, it's more like the greatest generation. <laughs> but uh yeah, so Yang is uh also oh just real quick, also Yang rightfully 
we're glad. I'm glad Yong finally points out his intuition on Fazan is. I, it doesn't need to be. It don't need to go into too much detail. Basically, just Yong's just like, Fazan seems to be up to no good. Yeah. <laughs> like they're basically the only people who seek to uh, who seek to lose if right. the Empire if and the FPA and, coexist. Yeah. Peace arrives. Fazan is uh, redundant. Yes. Their very existence becomes redundant. Right. But so uh, it is in their best interest to keep conflict going. Yes. Alas, we will see if Young ever manages manages to get the power or the authority to do something about Fazan. But uh, anyways, in the meantime, Young is lands on Hydasin and he is uh, taken alone by some uh, some FPA goons to meet yep. with the with National Defense Chairman Negroponte. Right. Okay. So he's basically and, uh, basically Trunic's lackey. Right, I mean, he's basically the guy who is running things for Trunix so that Trunix can stay in the background. Yeah. I mean, as we find out in episode 32, he is literally the proxy through which Trunix can enforce his will while avoiding the consequences of failure. You know what, I think it... Hmm, I'm not actually sure on this, but is it that Trunix is now, like, head chairman and this guy is Trunix's old job? You know what, that might be, actually, I... I don't remember specifically what Trunix's uh, position was he prior was like to Secretary of Defense, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not well, sure, but it's not. Actually anyway, that so we get you know, Yon gets taken in, you know, to the inquiry. We get a little bit of his history about uh, you know, that he was the son of Yang Tai Long, a and apparently a uh, <laughs> a a, a an untrusted well. Uh, ostensibly an, an, an interstellar merchant who sells artifacts yep. until we find out that he sold uh, fake artifacts. Well, no, it's like, I think it's his collection, everything that he collected for himself turned out to be fake. Oh, okay. And so, like, he was actually broke. Yes, <laughs> yes. None of it had any value. Right. I, this does make sure recall, there was a scene that was in DNT, but not in the OVA, where uh, after the PKC throw the, the bomb into Yang's house, and it breaks his china or whatever, and he's like, oh, that was the one thing my dad left me that was genuine. Oh, man. I'm surprised you remember that. Yeah, that's huh, that's a good callback. I, like, now that you mentioned yeah, I totally remember that line, but I didn't internalize it enough at the time that, oh, that's like, <laughs> that's kind of like a really good, subtle storytelling like huh yeah i guess uh yeah that's that's pretty good hmm sure oh yeah and then young young having inherited nothing because he's broke uh joined the military academy yes he joined the war the, history like, department right which they said like the department was dissolved something like that due to budget cuts uh, <laughs> oh, oh yeah some things some things never office, change yeah then ended up in officer's track Yes, something like that. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So we kind of, you know, this inquiry kind of just sucks. Like, oh yeah. I, I guess we should we, we should just, we should go over it, you know, broadly. But long story short, it's a whole lot of fucking political posturing and bullshit. Oh yeah. Oh well, um, young. How come you destroyed all of the Artemis necklace? Right. And like you know, Yang rightfully explains that you know this you know. You know, doing a siege wouldn't work because it would give coup the coup, you know, 
time to take hostages or do something desperate. Right, and destroying you some know? of them won't work because then the rest would just fire upon my forces and kill them all. Yes, you know, or then that, you know, I had to I had to get there as quickly as possible because, you know, Reinhard had just finished up with his coup and uh, they might have invaded if he took too long. And, like, it's just a thing, right? Like, everything Young says is, like, totally sensible, but it's like these people... It, <laughs> It's just frustrating to watch, like, the logic just bounce off of these politicians. Right. And, uh, you know, there's there's a good bit where, like, you know, I think the, the politicians are kind of like, you know, shouldn't you be a good member of society? Don't you want, you know, aren't you, you know, you, you know a nation is blah, this, blah, blah. I can't believe you made this statement belittling the, the nation. Yeah, and, you know, just kind of fucking lays it down, you know, letting them know, that, you know, nation's aren't cells, you know, they don't self-replicate, you know. Yeah. Nations are built by the individuals who inhabit them, not the other way around. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, the nation should serve the people. Exactly. Not, not the people should not serve the nation. And then the politicians accuse Yang of being a radical vegan art anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty good. Yeah. Yang has that fantastic line where he's like, I could call myself a vegan, though I'd break my commandments as soon as I saw some meat. So you could call uh, me a radical anarchist, but it's <laughs> uh. like the 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 uh, Negroponte is like, oh no, you know, humans are social creatures, and I think to like succeed, they need to form nations, you know, which yeah. like from a certain perspective, I guess. But then you know, Yang immediately dismantles that. People may need societies, but don't necessarily need nations. Right, like it kind of—it's it, definitely moments like this that definitely speak to, like, you know, they say that Young is a historian, right? That he was a history student; that history is his passion. And then I feel like it's kind of like minor statements like these that actually really, like, they do a fantastic job of reflecting that expertise. Yeah, like I often feel like in some media, you know. Like, a character will be called a doctor or a PhD because that will make them sound smart. But, like, the things they say and the things they do, like, will not actually reflect that training. Right. And, you know, sometimes that's fine, right? Like, a writer is only human, you know? Like, a writer who isn't a PhD isn't going to necessarily know, like, oh, well, a PhD would say this because that's just intrinsic to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I feel like it's bits like these that really show you that Yang truly is, you know, a historian at, at, at heart. The thing you know, is, yeah, I also think this conversation is a good contrast with what Reinhard was saying last episode about how the, like, only way to bring people together is to have a common enemy to fight. Right. And it totally. And I think it's because Yang recognizes that, like, nations are only the latest evolution in how human societies have formed you know yeah. like before that we had kingdoms and tribes we had empires in legend of the galactic heroes we still have empires <laughs> indeed <laughs> but you know you have commonwealths and and all all those sorts of things uh and young recognizes that a nation is not the end-all be-all in fact a nation is just a concept it's a it's a term that we use to describe ourselves because to describe civilization of a certain like make yes uh but that it has no intrinsic value. It has no intrinsic bearing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So after that, we, uh, we switch back to Frederica and, uh, yeah, Frederica, Frederica and Louis Machengo. 
Hell yeah, we, we see Louis Mashengo this week. They're outside, uh, like, trying to meet with Young because yeah. Sincoria has no legal basis. Right, you know, Frederica's uh, fucking hitting the books. She knows that, like, this inquiry is total bullshit. But, uh, alas, you know, uh, the, uh... Bay is a real dick. Yeah, the, the FPA goons are just, you know, no-selling them here, so Frederica realizes she's gonna have to, uh... Probably get the hold of somebody who has some power yeah, to throw around. And who better than? Yeah, we also see that Chubb Trunick has control of the mass media, basically. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> right, right, yes, because uh, Frederica talks about taking this to the media. And uh, yeah. Bay is like, yeah, try that, you know, see how far that gets you. But, yep. uh,. Yeah, so she decides, well, we need to talk to somebody who has some power to throw around, and who yeah, better I, than our friend Bucock? And so, uh, you know, they're gonna head on over there, but uh, before that oh. happens, I do just want to say one quick thing, uh, one line I did write down. Um, so, because we just see, see that scene with Frederica, we then cut back to uh, the inquiry being like, and then, not only that... But you kept Frederica Greenhill around as your adjutant, right? Doesn't uh, that da- seem bad? The daughter of the of Dwight Greenhill, who right, and you know Young's like right. Young's like, of course I did. She's good at her job. Like, mm-hmm. why should a child have to pay for the sins of the father? And then they're like, but it would cause needless misunderstandings. <laughs> and you know, Young calls them out on their bullshit. Like, what the fuck is a needless misunderstanding? Can you define that for me? Are there? Yeah. Can, do you have bullet points for what a needless misunderstanding is? Because <laughs> I don't think I should prepare for this nebulous concept that doesn't yes. exist. It's so good. But anyways, yeah. yeah so Frederica um, heads over to the FPA. I don't know military headquarters or whatever, and. Uh, Runs into a dude who's like, oh, yeah, I know where Bucock is. Yeah, he's uh, downstairs in the garage. garage. Yeah. I just saw him there. Yeah. And uh, turns out it's a trap. And and Frederica Lewis get cornered by the PKC up to no good again. But luckily, (laughs) motherfucking Lewis Mashengo is here. They made him mad. Yeah. Kicks some ass. Beating the fuck out of these dudes. Pretty great. He does go off. Takes off like takes out like five guys. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty great. I mean, I want to point out again, he's not even armed. Dude doesn't even have a pistol. He's just doing this with his bare fucking fists. Right. I think he snatches one of their clubs off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I I hope we see more of our friend Lewis here. Dude in the face through his mask. That's so good. I, I hope we get to, you know what I hope we get to see Louis Mashango put on some power armor oh, later yeah. down the line you know give him an axe let's see let's see him get to, you know put that to work but yeah, uh, yeah but, uh, unfortunately uh, he gets uh, swarmed by like yeah he gets swarmed and and then they're about to take out a uh, Frederica and then Bucock and his staff happen to show up in the elevator yes convenient very convenient a shot of some dude named Feifel I don't know how yes, to yes. that. Uh, uh, maybe he's like Yukok's adjutant. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but also, we see that the PKC masks have uh, have uh, they have uh, Earth Cult uh, writing yeah. on them. Yeah, Terra is my mother. Terra in my hand. Yeah. So the, the PKC the either phrase they've been spouting for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So with his development, we find out that either the PKC have always been t- Earth Cult goons, or this is a new development. Well, uh, they've been subsumed by. Right, in, right, in, because... By the Earth cult during the coup d'etat. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, like... They're basically Fazan. 
right? Yeah, like... yeah. Earth Cult is mostly facade, as far as we've seen. Mm-hmm. And I think that could mean a number of things, right? It can mean Job yeah. Trunicht is working with Fazan. Job Trunicht is using Fiz- uh, Earth Cult members as the PKC, right? Like, yeah. he's... Either way, not a good look. Yep. But, uh, but we, yes, we get we, we, we get back to Bucock where he's explaining to uh, Frederica and Lewis that uh, because of the results of... Because of the actions of the NSMC, the, the military has kind of been defanged Right, um, like basically, Kubersley are only allowed to keep their jobs because they op- oppose the coup and yeah. didn't really do much at all. But otherwise, they don't have that much political power anymore. Right, <laughs> and uh, just things are real bad for the FPA. Yeah, and uh, you no, know, it's they sorry. Have, go ahead. They have control of the mass media and. Yeah. The government is trampling the principles of democracy. Long story short, it's not a good look. And uh, it's, yeah, it's really not. And and you think to yourself, boy, things couldn't get any worse, huh? Mm. And then they get worse because the Geiersberg plan was a success, and yeah. Geiersberg has warped right next to fucking Iserlone. and yeah. of course. Of course, Yang is all the way back at Heineson. Indeed. So bad about this inquiry that he's writing his letter of resignation. Yes. (laughs) Uh, There's this, there's that great scene where he's just like pacing in his room, throwing up his arms. Ah, I'm so sick of these guys. I'm going to quit. I swear I'm going to quit this time. Yeah. Yeah. We get a little bit of angry Yang. But like it is angry, it is angry young, but also it's a it's kind of like a more human like petrol. Right. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is not this is not angry young out for blood. You know, the last time we saw angry young out for blood, that was Iserlone. This is more like angry young, sick of his bosses hounding him for doing his job. Yes, yes, and he has every right to. I mean, yes, absolutely. Like yeah. Yang has done everything the FBA could have possibly asked him of him. Like, indeed, these ungrateful sons of bitches. He, he saved their lives. He, he could have done what Shun Cup told him to. He could have waited long enough could've for all it. of the government to be purged. He could have done it. Could have done exactly what they're like accusing him of doing right now. Yeah, like everything they're accusing Yang of doing, things that never ever occurred to Yang Wenli. He could have done in a heartbeat. Oh, no, I think they occurred to him, and he deliberately chose to not do them. Yes, sure, that is true. You're right, but it's just his his anger is palpable in these scenes because it's just so frustrating. Yeah, it's, it is absolutely infuriating to watch these, to watch yeah. these people play into him. But uh, but yes. Yeah, so then we roll into uh, episode thirty-two, which starts yeah. off with a. Uh, Alarms at Ezerlone because Something apparently in. what's the mass of what's the mass of the fleet that's warped in four hundred trillion tons. Oh god, <laughs> those are the kind of absurd numbers that I I, I, I live for in my. I do like everyone being like, uh, are you serious? Like, copy that? Is that right? The trillion? Did you say trillion? And everyone's like, yep, it's real uh, bad. Yeah, it's. It ain't good, that's for sure. Yeah, we just get Yang's like war room of his squad freaking yes. out. Uh, Shen Kop and Poplin making jokes. 
And I'm and, uh, yeah, Mariah's Mariah's saying, uh, oh, this is no time for jokes. Yes, yes. And I mean, you know, it's a bad situation. It really is, you know, but yeah. uh we begin to start to see the Yang squad bereft of Yang, well, you know, what how how they fare without him at the head. And uh I'd say for the most part they uh they carry themselves pretty well. Yeah. Uh this episode. I feel like there's very much a version of this that is, oh no, Young's not here. We're screwed, and we're all gonna die. But on the other, on the other hand, their their plan is once Young gets here, he'll fix everything. Um, true, true. It's I don't know about the <laughs> his track record shows that he probably will, but also I don't think that's the best idea. It's kind like, of a hail mary, yes. Yeah. But I mean, in many ways, it's I mean, it's not just Young. Theoretically, it's also reinforcements. You know, like. The ideally, right, of course, in a perfect world, it's hold out long enough for Young and the FPA reinforcements back at Heineson right. to so reach Iserlone. Four weeks or something, you know, over yes. there. But anyways, uh, we, we uh, returned once again to the Equerry, where Young has truly run out of fucks to give. There's a, yeah, there's this great, like, wordless storytelling, kind of, where when he first goes in the Inquiry last episode... And he sits down in the freaking chair in front of the tribunal and sl- kind of slouching and crossing his legs. And they they yell at him for crossing his legs and slouching. Like, ah, just shut up. How dare you just disrespect? And as we get further along, he just goes back to crossing his legs and slouching. Because yes. <laughs> because he just doesn't because care. He has just, tr- again, he has just truly lost the ability to care about this bullshit anymore. And yes, as you said, it's a fantastic bit of visual storytelling that just communicates everything you need to know about Yang's state of mind about these affairs. And, you know, it's it's because, you know, and anyways, it's because Yang knows that, like, they hate him, but also he's absolutely vital to them. Yep. Like, there is no version of, like, the, like, the actual reason Yang truly considers this an absolute waste of time is because... Yang knows, and maybe even they know, or maybe they're foolish enough to think that they can actually, like, punish Yang in some way, but Yang knows that they can't actually do anything to him. Like, they can't strip him of his rank, they can't execute him, because he's done nothing wrong. Like, by the... Yeah. By the letter of the law, Yang has done absolutely nothing wrong. He's done his job to the best of his ability, and he's done a damn good job of it. And, like, that's... And this is why, like, people hate politicians. Like, just to get (laughs) real here for a second, like, because politicians operate entirely in rhetoric, right? Like, to go back to, you know, when they're talking about needless misunderstandings, you know? Like... Yeah. You can't court-martial someone over a needless misunderstanding, but, you know, or, you know, legally, you can't court-martial somebody over a, a, a needless misunderstanding, but a politician could try and get away with it anyways. Like, it's... Yeah. It's just it's such garbage. And, you know, we have this great bit where, you know, Yang's just there kind of tapping his foot, purposely waiting for when will be the most dramatic possible time <laughs> to letter of resignation. Yes. <laughs> You've activated my trap card. Oh, totally. It's that's totally what he's trying to wait for here. Uh, meanwhile, Frederica uh, is and Bucock and Louis Mashengo. Yeah, they the meet up with Joanne uh, Labello. Yeah, Labello's back. Yeah, and uh, he's here to ex- good chair people. Yes, yes, and he's here to explain to us that the FPA is fucked. Yeah, that, that they have covered up plenty of like exposés on their government. 
uh, yes. the Edwards committee. Actually, I really like this because it shows that like Jessica Edwards' legacy lives on in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it did. Well, yes, that uh, a group formed in her name after after the coup d'état to like investigate uh, politicians and influential folks, and found that uh, even though many of them were drafted for the military, like one out only like one out of fifteen or something actually got sent to the front lines. Uh, they uh, protested against this obvious injustice and were suppressed by the police and then after they're running away from the police they got beat up by the pkc yes yes and then not only that but then the media reports with bias basically summing up only the police report instead of the actual circumstances surrounding what happened and this is a fantastic bit of writing because especially you know again I'm sure all of these things were still relevant back then, but yes, this particularly relevant now. This story is yes, is extremely relevant in 2018 because everything about this is literally by the numbers like almost a perfect one for one representation of these sorts of things that have been happening in American politics as of late, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that the Edwards committee was specifically formed to investigate political corruption and then protest it and then we're not, not, not only like put down by the police, but then beaten down by a far-right extremist group, which then the police go on to ignore right. and condone. Like, Passing this is... Yeah. These are literally 2018 headlines. Like, everything that has happened in this scene has literally happened this year. It's... <sighs> it's insane. It's absurd, and it's deeply tragic. Frederick that, is saying, I thought it was impossible, but I guess I was being naive. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, and even, even the, even the media thing, like it's, yeah, it's, it's just everything about it is, is, you know, it, there are so many, so many, uh, activist movements that have happened in the past couple of years that this is a perfect parallel to that it. Again, it is absurd that something that was written 20, 30 years ago can still be so relevant, can still, like, still get it. And in many ways, like, what does that say about us? Like, what does it say about... uh, (laughs) It's not a great look for humanity. Yeah, like, what does it say about our society that the kinds of things that Legend of Galactic Heroes talks about in 1988 or 1990-whatever, when season two airs, have such strong parallels in modern day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as they say, it started every episode, and every time, and every age, little deeds of men do not change. Yep, that's... <sighs> yeah, that that uh, yeah, that bit of German at the, at the OP is starting to <laughs> feel real... Uh, yeah, real prescient, but uh, like I genuinely, after watching these episodes, kind of laid awake, stared at the ceiling for a while. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we'll skip we return. Smashenko looking at the tabloids, uh, the, yeah. the newspapers talking about Dati affairs between Yong Wenli and Trader Greenhill's daughter. Yes, yes, uh. 
Yeah, and speaking of the media being corrupt and reporting bullshits, yes, we get some of that. But, uh, and anyways, yeah, we uh, return to the inquiry where uh, politicians. Is good, actually. Right, like, this, we have the, these politicians acting like they know fucking jack shit about history. Like, it's the most patronizing thing. Like, again, I, I don't want us to sound like we're, like, some fucking, like, fucking far left whatever like super whatevers but like it seems like this that like truly get to the core of like why i think so many millennials like have truly run out of fucks to give about the baby boomer generation mm-hmm. because i think this little bit here is a perfect encapsulation of that where that politician with a very long name yes. like the absurdly long name uh, i should look that i should i should check that like quick. he he basically he tries to fuck he he because he's an old man and Yang's a young man, he tries to pull this fucking like, well, listen here, Sonny, you're young and but you're smart, but you're young and you don't have experience. Like, let me tell you about war. Let me tell you what war is really all about. Like, war is this glorious thing that we must all sacrifice for in the name of protecting the nation. It like, makes us ad- it advances us as a people. And it's Peace just and like freedom just increase our decadence and. Lower vitality. Right, right. There is literally some, like, literal baby boomer byline bullshit here. Uh, like, oh, you're, you know, you're the, the younger generation's just getting soft and weak because they haven't had a good war to toughen them up. Special like, snowflakes. Uh, <laughs> it's just fucking, yes, yes. Special snowflake, radical vegan, or anarchist Yang <laughs> Wenli. Fucking, God, just what a... Uh... What a fucking pile of garbage. Prove that war causes nations to rise. And fucking Yang Wenli lays down Goes like... Spits some hot lays, he spits the hottest fire. He lays down the speech to end all speeches. This might actually be Yang's final smash in Smash Bros. <laughs> is this speech... Gives a, gives a speech about where, wars like, Yeah, about like... like Basically, the long and short of it is, is that he basically says that, like, you know, the worst thing, the absolute worst possible kind of person is the person who takes advantage of war to their own profit. And not only does that, but but shows false patriotism to deceive others, usually the lower classes, to carry out their own selfish goals. Yeah. To, gain their, to gain power, send other people to die. Hide, you know, safely while other people do their dirty work for them. Exactly. Uh, and that, like, there is just nothing worse than... Cowardly. Yeah, yeah. And that these people who, you know, they, they hide in safe places and, and extol and praise war, you know, while forcing patriotism as a burden onto others. Like, you think about all this fucking talk these guys have been... These inquiry, like, jackasses have been saying this entire like episode right all about oh nation and duty and sacrifice and it's like once again you're not the ones doing it like, exactly like it it you know it, it's a i will say that uh, you know while i do want to say that okay fantastic parallel to modern day i feel like this was probably written more as like a reaction to vietnam where we kind of saw a very similar thing you know i mean Y'all can listen to the song Fortunate Son that basically gets to the core of this. That, like, 
You know, it's very easy for Mr. Senator to talk about sacrifice and patriotism, about asking his constituents, his voters that, oh, you got to be patriots. You got to fight the war because you need to defend America. That's all very like but I'll sit here and get my my senator's salary. And yes, but but not only that, but it's it's more that I think the thing that really that really disgusts me about it is like. Now say what you will about patriotism versus nationalism, and I you know, I will I will contend that there is definitely a meaningful difference between the two, and sure. that patriotism is not you know like many concepts, patriotism is not an inherently negative concept. In fact, sometimes it can be good to take pride in your nation's accomplishments. But <laughs> what really disgusts me about this conversation, about everything about this scene, is this idea that patriotism is a burden for the poor. It is a poor, it is a burden for the common man. It, it, it is the commons man's, it, it is the common man's job to be the patriot. The rich don't have to be patriots. The powerful don't have to be patriots. Of course, they'll insist they're patriots. Of course, they'll say, oh, but I pay, you know, I, I stand up for the national anthem. Doesn't that make me a patriot? It's like, it, it, it's... I also vote for tax cuts. That means I don't have to pay my country. Right. It, but the poor people can cover that. Oh, yeah, why, why should I have to pay uh, money? God, just cover the God. rest of the nation. Just it's it's just it's just this you know again it's just it gets to the core of like you guys have to be patriots. You guys have to sacrifice your lives on the front lines to save this nation. And of course, Young so rightfully says you know if the defense of our homeland. Yeah, or not only are you parasites, or not only are those people parasites, because I won't say you fucking <laughs> jackass motherfuckers are parasites, but uh, he has that line that, uh, if the defense of our homeland is so necessary, then why not start with the people spewing that rhetoric in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, Negroponte just starts yelling at Yang, being like, how, do you, uh, how dare you call us parasites? You know, you're, you're, being, you're, in, you're in contempt of court. And, uh, this extra legal court, right? Yeah, we, we, yes, yes. We're like, oh, what on what fucking grounds? I don't know you, grounds. And and, and then Negroponte, <laughs> it's it's so fucking good. It's just how petulant and shitty these people are. Like Negroponte's throwing this tantrum. He's like, shut up, you, you're not allowed to say another word. And of course, in the middle of this ridiculous tantrum, phone call. By the way, Isolone's under attack. Yes, yes. I got yours yeah. for Fortress. Yes, and Negroponte and other politicians meet, and surprise, surprise, the egg's on their face because they have spent the last couple, like, last week or however long it's been insulting their best admiral to his face, and, yep. you know, uh, they fucking slink back out, and, uh... Order you to go! That's... As if couldn't get any worse, these guys don't even have the fucking... They don't even have the decency to beg him. They, fucking Negroponte's just like, I ordered you to go save Iserlone. And oh, uh, I would have, but you brought me here. Yeah. It's... <sighs> yeah. And, you know, and then, uh, young, ever-principled Young, he could... This would actually be the most dramatic moment for him to pull out yes. that letter of resignation. Yes. But his friends are there. Right. And, you know... 
Yeah, I mean, as always, like Young is a man, he is a man burdened by his ideals. He he is, you know, like. Bless that man. <laughs> yes, bless that man. Because here's the thing: I thought about the scene, and if it were Reinhardt and Young's position, like if Reinhardt were the one sitting here in this inquiry, you know that Reinhardt would like resign. We're not resign, resign. He wouldn't mean it, but he would resign. And like make them, he would make them beg. He would make them beg, and not only would he make them beg, he would make them guarantee concessions. He would make them concede power. He would make them guarantee his position he would he would play the game he would negotiate yeah you know he would he would go through with the theatrics but yang's not that kind of guy he and he doesn't have time for that kind of bullshit because he's just too honest for his own good in some ways he so. does kind of stick it to them a little just a of little. course he does of course he does he <laughs> you know no one couldn't at that point oh, of course no he in many ways, as frustrating as this entire affair has been, I will say that the conclusion of it is, in many ways, extremely satisfying. Yeah. Like, I am deathly afraid for the people on Iserlone, but at the same time, I think that... Yeah, there is this know. bit of... There's this weird, like, dissonance where we're terrified that Iserlone's under attack and they might all might die, but also, like, yeah, we sure stuck it to that one dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's Oh no! Everyone's yeah. a danger, but hooray, we we screwed Negaponte. <laughs> I mean, you know, in many ways, kind of like the current, you know, the current political landscape we yeah, exist we in. Take our kicks where we can get them. Yeah, you you take the little victories where you can. But uh, then we got the a fantastic. We haven't really said much about him because he hasn't said much. Long but Lewis during this entire was on inquiry, this, was on this yes, committee. Yes. Uh, yes. The uh, other good chairman. Yes, Labello's friend Huang Lewis has been sitting in on this inquiry, kind of just smugly, you know, winking at you know, Yang now and then, Yang this whole time. But then we get this fantastic line where he says that, uh, you know, we're politicians; we don't contribute anything whatsoever to society's <laughs> productiveness. Uh, we're that, elected to make sure the government keeps running, and we get paid for that. Yes, so we actually don't do shit. Yes, but at least at least we get we we get a little bit here where Huang Lewis at least proves that you know a politician can sometimes you know do something when when the chips are down. Where he basically not so subtly suggests that well somebody has to take the fall for this you know for dragging Yang away from the lines. Yeah. like yeah. you know where Huang Lewis is literally like you know the FEA for all we know we might be dead tomorrow. Like yeah. if it wasn't for him, yeah. we'd already be dead. Exactly, and I think somebody needs to take responsibility for this grave mistake. But not young. And, uh, but not young. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yes, uh, Negroponte basically gets sacked. Um, we return, okay. you know. You know, uh, we might as well switch these two around chronologically, just yeah. because I feel like what we're going to talk Cog about. Takes young out to dinner because yes. It's a four-week trip anyway. Yeah. Might as well get a meal in, yeah. Yeah. And he says that, okay, we're going to give you the first fleet, you know, it's not much, but that's all Heineson really has, you know, ready to mm. go at, you know, at a moment's notice, so. Yeah, and uh, yeah. we already, Juan Labello does kind of lay it out that, like, if y'all, yeah, if Yang really wanted, he could just take control, just like Golden Elm did. And, uh, 
even if you see don't see yourself possibly doing that, like Rudolph didn't either. Yeah. You know, once he once he had all that power, you know, power corrupts. Right, and it's. You know, again, it, it's it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing because, of course, you know, the young we know, we're like, what? No, young could never do that. Like, like young would be like the best president ever. But then, <laughs> you know, with added responsibility yeah. and with added almost unchecked power, you know, that can do a lot of things to a person. Yeah. I do like how the like they ask like, do you think that would actually happen with young? And he says, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's yeah, possible. Who could- yeah, I mean, because I think that's the thing. Every rational person, I'm sure if you ask to like almost any person on the street, you know, hey, if you suddenly had like a ton of money and unlimited power, like you wouldn't abuse it, right? And I think most reasonable people would say, no, of course not. Like I, I just want enough money and power to take care of myself and those I care for. But, you know, it's, it's always hard to say, you know, once it actually happens. Yeah, um... Yeah, but uh, anyways, we finally. Uh, I want to switch these around just because I want to save all of the Ezerlone stuff for our final discussion here. Right. But we finally get a little bit with uh, Negroponte and Trunit, where uh, Job Trunit is just sitting in his office caressing this vase. Yeah, just polishing a while, face or something while like listening fucking to Negroponte, like fucking you know. Office. Yeah, yeah. Well, Negroponte is like. You know, fucking like, bowing well, and scraping. Even, even if you ever, even if you resign, I have another. I have other jobs for you. Right. Which as is as long as you, you know, don't let the uh, inquiry become public. Yeah. Later, Which, I don't actually care about you. Yes. Yes. Because he's talking with a Mister Island, uh, whoever that is. Yeah. We will. Well, we will see uh, where that goes. You know, more, yeah. more and more plot threads are formed. You know, with every episode, but. Yeah. Finally, we uh, return to Izzerlone, where Kazanu kind of lays out the basic plan. Like, hold out until Yang gets here. I mean, it is hold out until Yang gets here, which you know I agree is not maybe the most solid plan, but in many ways, like I mean, of course you could say, oh well, that just shows like how you know how weak Yang's bench is it's that they're so his, like, yeah, well, yeah, you know, oh they're so weak and, and incompetent that they can't <laughs> even take care of this you know situation on their own. But I think actually this speaks to actually how aware they are. Like mm-hmm. it takes, it takes a lot of pride, or not pride, but it takes a lot of like self awareness to know that hey, we cannot win this fight on our own. Like mm-hmm. there are probably good commanders at Izerlone. You know, I think you know you had Edward Fisher there. You know, yeah. you got like Shen Kopp. You know, Castle New seems Asperow. like a yeah. Dusty seems like a you know, he doesn't seem like a you know genius tier admiral, but he seems competent. You know, at least he's not you know actively bad at his job. You know, you have guys like Shen Cop. Like, everybody in Young's bench is good at their jobs, but it's, you know, they're not necessarily, you know, the... You know what the, it is? I think they're all way more specialized than Reinhardt's team of brilliant people who are good yes. at everything. Yes, I think that's kind of that's kind of a good way of putting it, right? Like, whereas, like, Admiral's team... Not Admiral. Uh, Reinhardt's admirals are, you know, these kind of, like, multidisciplinary, you know, masters and commanders of their, you know, of, of warfare... Yang has surrounded himself with, you know, specialists, right? Logistics specialists, combat specialists, you know, uh, you know, uh, dog fighting, you know, aces and such, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, these are people who are undeniably good at their jobs, but those jobs are not winning wars, not winning battles. That's Yang's job. Yeah. And so, in a way, I think... It does, it does bear saying they're not just... It's not just hold out till Yang gets here. It's also 
make sure the Empire doesn't figure out that Yong's not here. Yeah, so that's the part I want to get to, is we get this fantastic conversation where Castle Luke basically lays it out, like, okay, we have to hold out for four weeks, we have to fight as defensively as possible. At least four weeks. Like, we have to bleed them out while preserving our own forces for as long as possible, because it's not just a case of we need to hold out till Yang gets here. We need to hold out and then give Yang something to work with. If right. Yang gets here and, and Izzalone's already yeah. falling apart, but there's not much for him to save then, you know? Yeah. And and mo- most importantly, yes, Kempf and the Geiers- and Geiersberg do not know that Yang is away. Yeah. Like, the moment they know Yang is not here, they will go on a full offensive and they will win. They outgun us, they outman us, like, there is yep. no way we can survive a full assault. So we need to keep them cautious. We need to keep them convinced that they are not in control. And uh, yep. this already gets put to the test. <laughs> yeah, and now retrospect. Oh shit, Yogg's flagship is there. Holy yeah. shit! Like they got it. They they're totally going to use that in some way, right? They like, will. Um, oh man. Like I forgot about that until we mentioned yeah. it. Like, I, like I'm already thinking to myself, like, oh, what are they trying to do with thing of like when Yang almost gets there, like they like do like something where like, they sacrifice Yang's flagship. Uh, and so Kemp is like, like oh, I've defeated Yang Wen Li. And then fucking Yang Wen Li shows up on the fucking he yeah. shows up the monitor is like, ha, you ah, thought you got flagship. me? <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, you'd probably say like, oh, "I really like that ship," or something. Yeah, but uh, and then, then then everyone freaks out. Right. But uh, but yeah. So then the, this this already gets put to the test when they get contacted immediately by the Empire forces, right. where uh, Kemp where they say, "Well, put them on speaker. Do not put on the. Do not turn on the monitor. Do not yeah. turn on the webcam." <laughs> and Kemp is basically just like. I look forward to meeting you on the field of battle because I am a straightforward soldiery type dude. Yeah, there's actually a good bit here where uh, he first calls them the rebel forces, as all of the empires done the entire time. Yes. Then, but then he's like, "No, that the the Free Plants Alliance." Yeah. And like, which I I just, I took it as like them trying to show Kemp as a like respectable fellow. Uh, I think Kemp is respectable. I think. I initially I thought, that thought was it was the intent of that comment. Yes, yes. I initially thought it was maybe more of a snide, like attention rebels. Oh, excuse me, I meant FPA, but that doesn't seem in Kemp's character. Kemp seems like right. maybe a little simple, but overall, like a pretty decent person. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of have that good moment where Kemp's like, "Oh man, I, th- I thought I, I, I was hoping." Lee. Yeah, I want to talk to Young Wen Lee. Oh well, he'll speak to me on the battlefield. Yes, I will hear the loud roar of your fists. Yes, and so with both Geiersberg and Izzerlone yeah. charging up their cannons and yeah. their fleets approaching into firing distance, we kind of end on a on hell of a cliffhanger. Yeah, Geiersberg fires its laser as the narrator, you know, gives us a rundown of Izzerlone's defenses. It says, uh, its defenses are perfect and has, ne- has never been harmed. But that's, for now, uh, that time has passed. It's a very good... It's a, <laughs> oh my god, that fucking... Oh, that narration at the end of that episode is oh, some top-notch shit. But, uh... But yes, so, uh... As I was, you know, telling Eero the other day after we finished this, I... 
I feel like you know, I, I feel you know how when we were watching the Battle of Armlitzer, we knew it was going to go bad because they because they foreshadowed it. They they projected. They See, they showed the us whole, repeatedly several episodes up until the Battle of Armlitzer was the, just the FPA falling apart. Yes, they're like their entire battle plan coming yes. apart. Seems so when the battle actually happened, it came to no surprise that things went as bad as they did. Yeah. However, for this battle, I. Again, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say oh like the guys at Easter alone are gonna be fine. I I'm gonna bet some people die. I don't know who, but I, I I'm I bet some lives are going to be lost in this battle. But I don't feel as bad about this as I did about Armlitzer. And I think at least the way they're they're portraying this battle, at least the way they're framing it, is like yes, the FPA is in a bad spot. Yang is not there. They have been a surprise attacked by a plan that should have never worked. <laughs> and things are looking bad. But also, they're prepared. They had time to get ready you know, as best they could. Yeah. Like, and it is Yang's entire team there. The be- like Yang's entire staff is there. The-, the best men and women that he has to his disposal, you know? Yeah, like, I think in an ideal world, like... The way I kind of want this to go is that they all get to show off and like resolve the issue without Yang Wenli. Yes, you know uh, that's that was kind of my I hope. I don't think yeah. that will necessarily happen, but uh, no, but it's what I would like to happen. Yeah, I I, d- I would definitely like that because I feel like the Empire gets to show off a little bit too often. Like everybody in the in the Empire gets to show off how good they are at their jobs, whereas in the FPA, it's really only ever Yang Wenli we see doing a good job. Yeah. But I would definitely love if this were like the dad's not home arc of Legends of, of Legend of the Galactic Heroes, where it's you know the rest of Yang's team being like, okay, Yang's not here, but we can still do it. So and they do it. I want to see them do it. Uh, yeah, totally. I want to see them. I want to see what they can do because again, these are not incompetent people. You know, like Casal yeah. is a fantastic staff officer. You got Shenkop there in the Rosen Ritter. Like, tell me the fuck. You know. <laughs> What I think will actually ha- what I think might actually happen is that like Mercats becomes MVP for this. Yeah, battle. I kind of hope so. Like we get a little bit of that when Castle News like Mercats, you know, tell us about all of Geidersberg's, you know. It's just like hey Schneider, tell them all about Geidersberg. Yeah, <laughs> tell us about Geidersberg. Rattles it all off off the top of his head. And like I was, ha- I mean, I was literally half expecting like Schneider to say, and by the way. <laughs> Geiersburg has a tiny a, exhaust a two, bed. A exhaust port. Yes. All right, Julian. Time to. Time to I get mean, out there it would explain. it would just yes, it would just make the 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 Julian is Luke Skywalker parallels all the stronger. Oh, but it would if be that so actually good. happened. Oh <laughs> my god, it would be, be so good. Oh my god, what if they actually did? What happens to fucking Oliver Poplin, Julian, and and Konev all just fucking did the trench run? But in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, I'd be actually be really into that. Oh, um, that would be so good. I don't know if that'll happen. No, but... I, I don't think I don't think this show is gonna be that optimistic. But It'd I be great. <laughs> yes, but I guess the way I put I'll put it is, I am super interested in how this battle's gonna go. Like, you know, with like Armlitzer, yeah. you knew that was gonna end horribly for the FPA. For the first taking of Iserlone, you. You kind of knew Yang was going to take it. You didn't know how he was going to do it, but the way like it was narratively framed, you kind of knew that like Yang was going to be able to pull it off. 
Yeah, yeah. But this is a fight where I'm not sure how it's going to go. I I don't think it's going to be a complete slaughter, but I don't think... They're actually pretty evenly matched. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, again, and, and, and that's you, the other thing, said, right? As you, as you, like, said after we watched, like, Reinhardt isn't there. It's Kemp yeah. leading the like, sleep. It's Kemp, yes. Like, as we as I joked the other day, like Reinhardt has like his bubble of competency that extends <laughs> to everybody else in his vicinity, but like he's not here. Like it's only Kempf. And we haven't really seen Kempf fight much. Like I think I think Kempf was the one fighting with uh Yang and Armlitzer. Oh, Armlitzer, uh, yeah. Yeah, like they were the ones that were initially battling before uh Kemp, uh not Kempf, before uh Yang pulled off his retreat. Arbitzer uh, was a big. There was a lot going on. Right. Well, but what but what I mean is that that is kind of the only place we've seen Kemp so far. Yeah. Like we don't really have a good handle on his tactical acumen yet. You know, we don't know. Like, is he is this gonna is this guy gonna be like a, a Mittermeier or a Royenthal, or is he gonna be more of a Bittenfield? You know. <laughs> we we just don't know yet, and, and and I guess that's kind of the thing, right? In this, in a sense, both of the both parties in this battle are unproven. Like, we yeah. haven't really seen much of Kempf yet, and we also haven't really ever seen Yang's staff, you know, without Yang to lead them. So, just, yeah. man, this show is just so good. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> every fucking week, they manage to just uh, yeah, come up with new interesting, like, intense. dynamics to, to interest and entertain us. Indeed. And, and depress us. And depress us, yes. Maybe. Yes, I... Uh, you know, I don't know if I can handle another fucking 50 episodes of watching the FPA fuck itself to death. Like, I... Rory gets to watch the United States of America fuck itself to death, so... It's not even just that, man. It's like, we're only 32 episodes in, and I'm already right. so exhausted with the FPA. Yes, like absolutely. I just cannot deal with them anymore. Like, if... If the reason why Legend of the Galactic Heroes like attracts like a weird shitty monarchist fan base is because after a hundred episodes of watching the FPA Holy screw man. itself over, uh, yeah, then point. I could see why you might eventually turn around on democracy by the end. <laughs> but I just don't know, man. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, on that unpleasant note, I think we're going to call Yay. this a podcast. So, uh, just to do some, you know, basic housekeeping, as always, you can read all of our content and listen to all of our podcasts at thegloriablog.com. You can also listen to the podcasts on Podbean and iTunes and wherever else, uh, podcasts are bought and sold. Yes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at thegloriablog.com. Uh, you can also watch the podcasts on YouTube. If you, I don't know, I guess if you Google YouTube and then Legend of the Glorio Heroes, because I can't give you a YouTube URL. We don't have one yet. Maybe if y'all uh, pound that subscribe button, we might one day. Oh. But until then, who can say? Uh, but yeah. uh, Listen to our other podcast, the Glorio Chat. Yes, uh, in the same feed. Yeah. And our and, year-end uh, stuff is coming up. Yeah, we might as, as well as talk as about that a little as bit. It's recording. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um... You know, f- for those of you who are only listening f- listening for the, uh, the the Legend of the Galactic Hero stuff, uh, at the Glorio blog, we always kind of do a lot of end-of-year blog posts, and now this year, a podcast. 
where uh, basically all the individual members of the blog kind of create their own article, you know. They range everything from, you know, your top 10 list to just your favorite moments of the year or even your favorite albums that came out or whatever. You know, it's just kind of a general time of the year where, because we're all very busy people, we don't always have time to write down everything we we want to about the anime that aired in a year. We uh, we kind of use these these blog posts, and hopefully this podcast is kind of a final place to uh, kind of just give a good summary of all of our thoughts yeah. for the year in anime. Yep. So uh, if that sounds interesting to you, then you know keep a lookout for it. I have a feeling that Eero and Eero and I. <laughs> Mine and Eero's posts this year might involve a lot of Legend of the Galactic Heroes talks. Yes, well. so, you know, if you only care about Legend of the Galactic Heroes stuff, then at least pay attention to uh, to our posts. So. <laughs> I can only say so much. It's not a show from this year. Uh, come on. If we're doing it, dude, if you're doing a 2018 in review, like, post. Yes, yes. Look, I will, it will Leg- be mentioned at least once. I feel like Legend of the Galactic Heroes is... I'm, I, here's the thing. I'm going to bring it up in our other podcast because I feel like <laughs> it is important that we at least mention that it is no understatement to say that Legend of the Galactic Heroes is either A, literally actually the best anime we watched in 2018, <laughs> or at least a contender because... Absolutely. I, look, 2018 has been a really strong year for anime, but... It's true. Fucking Legend of the Galactic Heroes is operating on levels, <laughs> yes, levels we have never seen before. But uh, with all that said, uh, yeah. thank you all for listening. Eero, thank you for, as always, uh, being here with me on the podcast. Thank you. And uh, with all that said, we will see you all next time amongst the Sea of Stars. <laughs> <laughs>